Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit CelebrationChurchLive.com. Uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, we kicked off a new series uh, where we are looking at the idea of that it's the simple things that really have the weight and the depth in our relationship with God. And it's those things that really help us to grow. So if you got your bulletin, Bible app, however it is you're going to track with us, we've led off with this idea um, that the matters that matter in our relationship with God are very simple, but never simplistic. They're never simplistic. And so we gravitate towards the complex. We gravitate towards um, things that are intricate and and hard to understand. And and we're fascinated by those things. And the truth is, is the deep things of God start on a simple enough level that a child can connect with it. A child can begin to understand and, and to begin to grow in it. But it's obviously, it goes deeper. So we can connect with it childlike, but it is never something that's childish. And so we, we want to stay focused on those things. In fact, when Jesus' disciples were thinking grand, they were thinking big and wanted to know who was the greatest in the kingdom, Show us who's the greatest, and then we can begin to maybe emulate them or aspire to be them, and we, we want to move in that direction. And he's like, I want to know, we want to know who's the greatest in the kingdom, and Jesus immediately begins to reset their idea of what that is. And here in Matthew 18, verse, verse 2, he says, and, and calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You're you're never going to do things God's way. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility is a core aspect. It's a core aspect of our growth in Christ. There is no place at the table in our relationship with God for pride. And here's the problem is pride is sneaky. Pride likes to come in in all sorts of different angles and different things and especially spiritual pride. Spiritual pride loves to come in and begin to feel spiritual like it belongs right there, like it's God and then it sneaks in between God and you and takes that, squeezes itself in at the place at the table instead of it you and then God. Spiritual pride can come in and begin to do that. And, and we notice it. We notice this because pride wants to complicate things. Pride wants to begin to say, you know, I've really grown into the deep things of God. I'd explain them to you, but... Uh, you need to grow in the Lord a little bit more. You need, you need to spend a little more time in the scriptures. I've been doing this a long time, and, and I'm here to tell you, it, it's just too complex and too inner working. And, and, and every time, every time spiritual pride begins to show up, and I just want to be honest, I've, I've battled that one throughout my 30 years of actively pursuing God. It, it sneaks in there. And every time spiritual pride comes in, 
I know I, it has been when I have not had real appreciation for the simple things of our relationship with God. The everyday simple things. They're deep, but I gravitate towards something that feels complex and I get into some peripheral stuff that's hard to explain and, and you got to have some sort of theologian to unpack all of the eccentricities of it and all these different things. And the truth is, is if we will stay focused and go deep on the simple things, that's where we'll really grow. That's where things will really begin to shift. And one of the things that kids understand, one of the simple, deep concepts that kids understand is they get the weight of our words. They get that words matter. No, no children are born understanding sarcasm. The kids, kids have to learn sarcasm because what they in, intuitively uh, learn and intuitively know is that you say what you mean. That if you meant that, if you said it, then, then you meant that. That it had weight. But as we begin to complicate things and take things within, we begin to use sarcasm and all these different things, and it, it just gets missed on kids because they stay focused on the simple truth that you should say what you mean. Your words should have weight. And I'm reminded of, got, got caught by this truth years ago, um, Pastor Keenan, uh, who was up here on guitar in, in, the, in this last service, um, he wasn't always uh, uh, an awesome preaching machine like he is with uh, him and Beth leading our YA. Um, he was at one point a six or seven-year-old little guy um, who had a dream of being a drummer. And so he wanted to drum. And so we were not about to buy a set of drums for our house. That was, we were not given a six or seven-year-old kid a set of drums. And so, but what I was willing to do was get him a little practice pad, something that he could bang on, something he could learn some rhythm on. Um, and then, of course, to do that, then he needed some drumsticks. And with that, this was the days before Amazon. I'd have, had it been today, I'd have just had them on my front porch in two days. And so, but back then, you actually had to go to the store. So we had him this little, had him his little practice pad, and then we went to a music store that doesn't exist in our town anymore. It's Osborne's Music on uh, Sherwood Way. So we go into Osborne's and take little Keenan with me and go up to the counter and tell the guys, I can, can I help you? And I was like, yeah, um, I need some cheap drumsticks. And he's like... All right. So he goes over there and grabs some $6 drumsticks and has those and slaps them on the counter uh, that fit my budget just perfectly. So paid for those drumsticks and handed them to Keenan and said, here you are, here's some. And he walks out of that store just like he just won the lottery, man. He has a drumstick in each hand. Of course, everything then begins to be a drum. You know, you got drumsticks in your hand, you want to hit everything. And uh, like any little guy with some new thing he's proud of, well, he carried them with him everywhere and he wanted to tell everybody about them. And that was what got me caught. And he would go up to people, want to show them. He's like, look, my dad bought me cheap drumsticks. And I was like, I bought you drumsticks. He's like, no, dad, they're cheap. They're cheap drumsticks. And he, didn't, he thought, like, thought they were, that was a name brand. He's like, oh, no, dad, don't give yourself some credit here, pops. 
these are cheap. And so I'm like, they're just drumsticks, kid. Be, be quiet. And, and so, and I, sadly, I forgot that kids pay attention to everything you say, every word that comes out of your mouth, and there's weight on your words. And my mistake as a father was forgetting that my words, every word has weight. And sadly, my mistake as a child of God has been the same mistake, as forgetting that my words have weight. As a, as a child of God, our words matter. And prayer is the place where we need to engage. I think we don't engage in prayer because we don't understand how powerful and how weighty it is. And so we're going to spend a little time this morning looking at the truths of our relationship to God with prayer, because prayer should be an essential part of our daily life, not our weekly church attendance, not, our, not something that happens randomly, not just when everything goes sideways and we're in a place of desperation, please pray in those moments. But it should be a part of our daily life. And I use the word essential on purpose because essential gets back to something having being a part of its essence, its very core nature. We're not really engaging in a relationship with God if we are negating prayer. If we are not utilizing prayer, it is essential. It's vital. Just like your vital organs. If you were to remove one of your vital organs, you would cease to function as a physical body. It would, it would shut down. And so many times we try to hobble along in our relationship with God, not understanding how vital daily, regular prayer is. Now, I get it. You're like, of course, preacher, you're comfortable with prayer. You're like a professional Christian. You get paid to do this stuff. And so um, prayer is intimidating. I, folks, I get it. I get it. Because the truth is, is we see this in our normal everyday lives. You've got people that you are very comfortable talking to. No problems. You talk to them about anything, everything. You've got a handful of people in your life that you're very comfortable talking to. Then there's a next group of people that you just are a little more uncomfortable with. And then there are people, you're like, I don't even know how to talk to those people. And it could be someone you actually like. It's not that you're like, I don't know how to talk to those people because I don't get them and I don't want to talk to them. There could be somebody you actually want to talk to and you're like, I don't even know how to talk to them. If we was to offer you the opportunity to have lunch with any person of your choice, any person, now on the planet, you could choose anybody to sit down and have lunch with. It'd be maybe somebody who's a leader in the field you're in and in your career. Um, maybe it would be somebody you just esteem highly. Maybe it's a celebrity. Maybe somebody that would be a big deal to you. And then we arrange the meeting and we get it done and you're there at, at, at lunch and you're the first to arrive and you sit down and then the person shows up and you have to have the greeting you're like, I don't, even, I don't even know what to say. I don't even want to say. You begin to be super conscious 
of your words with that person. You'd be hypercritical of yourself with that engagement. And if we'll do that with a person, then of course I get it. That if we're going to talk to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the creator of the universe, that that kind of apprehension would kind of begin to filter in. That we'd all of a sudden begin to be a little self-conscious when we begin to pray, especially if we think that there's a proper way to do it and there's some sort of improper way to do it. And I, go, well, I don't want to mess this up and I don't want to offend and I don't, so I just pull back. Um, and folks, that's, I hate to even use the word offense because God's not getting offended. But that's the greatest mistake of all is to just not pray at all to just pull back and to just not open your mouth. God is way more interested in his relationship with you and you being honest and you opening up and, and you being real with him than he is about all of the other things. Guess what? If you'll talk to him, he'll guide you in the rest of it. He'll get it. One of the most real, raw prayers of my life. I, I know where I was at, what I was saying, what was coming out of my mouth. And I can't quote every prayer I've ever had in my life, but I can quote this one. And I won't do it because it's inappropriate. <laughs> because I was upset. The Holy Spirit was drawn on me. I was not ready to move forward with God. The Holy Spirit was, was ministering to me and, and drawing me in. And I end up out in the middle of a baseball field at a college campus in Colorado and during a camp and I am yelling at God and I'm using four-letter language and I am like, God, leave me alone. I am not ready for this. And me being honest and opening up, that was the door that I would just be honest. God, I can't do it. I can't live this life. I can't be some sort of perfect Christian. I didn't know he wasn't asking me to do that but I was willing to tell him that I, what I think this is, I can't do. And that was where he met me. That was where he met me. In a way that now, I, I praise God, I don't pray with the F word anymore. <laughs> but I did in my first real life-moving encounter with God. It would have barely been PG-13. And... Uh, God will meet you. Just be honest with where you're at. And it is, has to be an essential part of our relationship with God. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to it. Devoted means you got, you got to lean into it. you got to turn in that direction, just like we need to be devoted to certain relationships in our lives. Spouses should certainly be devoted to one another. Parents should be devoted towards their children. we got to lean into that direction. In prayer, we've got to make a decision because anything you've got to choose to be devoted to, it's because there's this tendency to drift away. Just like married couples can easily drift away, we can drift away from a place of prayer as well. But we're being devoted in prayer, being watchful and thankful. And if you'll remember those two things, that can guide your prayer life wonderfully. Being watchful is looking forward. And there's two different kinds of things that are coming down the stream of life at you. There are things you're watchful, you're concerned about. You're like, man, this could be problematic. This could be an issue. And talk to God 
about those things. Talk to God about the things you feel like could be problematic for you, for your loved ones, for your, your city, your country. Talk to him about those things. And then the other thing you should be watchful for is opportunity. I'm going to tell you, if, all you li- if you live your life watching for nothing but problems, that is all you will have in your life. If you live your life looking forward, looking for nothing but problems, you will have nothing but problems. Folks, everybody has problems. But there's another thing you ought to be watching for, and that's opportunity. And if you'll live your life watching for opportunity, you know what you're going to have? Opportunity. Because they're there for all of us. All of us have opportunities as well. And if you'll live your life and, when the, and watching, yeah, for problems, talking to him, but talking to him about opportunities, talking to him about what lies ahead, talking about the things you're excited about and the things you're hopeful for, things you feel like could maybe unfold. Talk to him about that. That's being watchful. Well, then it's the stream of life of those things come. The things you were concerned about, the things you were hopeful about, they come into your life. You've seated them in prayer. You talk to God through them. And then on the backside, it's thankful. You're thankful that the thing you were concerned about, God navigated you and handled it. Lord, thank you that that difficult conversation that I had to have at work went so much better than I thought. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for that. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that I have in my life. Thank you, Lord, for just the simple things. It just be thankful. If we'll be watchful and thankful, we'll cover all of our core bases in prayer. Luke chapter 19, verse 46, for it is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. This is where Jesus sees the the people trading and selling and making money in the temple um, and had turned it into a profiteering thing. and, And he takes a whip and he doesn't whip people. Jesus did not hit people. There, were, there was livestock and, and uh, animals in there, and he is driving the animals out with the whip. He's not taking and beating people with it. Um, and so, but he does have a whip. He turns the tables over, clears this out, and he is passionate that his house should be a house of Because what you and I on the backside of this as believers, we recognize that we don't have to like travel to some place and go to some temple to connect with God. So here in the New Testament, let, let's connect the dots and let's see what this might look like. First Corinthians 3.16, it says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Well, now if Jesus was passionate about making sure that his temple was a house of prayer and it should have been a house of prayer. But now that you and I are the temple, don't you think that he'd be passionate about you and I having open conversation, talking to him in a place of prayer? Don't you think that that would be something that would be significant? You know, it's not that all of a sudden that now there's a bunch of little houses of prayer and we call them little church buildings, okay? And you got the little prayer and you know and then you know we turned the the movie theater over there for a little while into a house of prayer no no this thing was built as a grocery store and then it was a and then it was a furniture store and so and it, it could be anything and so and it's not like well pastor you know you're here and you need to protect this house as a house of prayer no here's the thing is you're the temple of god you need to protect your house as the house of prayer 
You need to make sure you stay at a place, a house of prayer. I'm here and we gather in this building so that we can learn how to be houses of prayer. That is why we gather in this structure so that the, where, so the place where God actually lives in you and I, we can begin to be that who we're called to be. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. What do you have permission scripturally to have anxiety over? Nothing. But yet it comes in. And the scriptures aren't sitting there saying, oh, if you're anxious, shame on you. It gives us a solution to not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Sometimes people are like, I still have anxiety even though I've prayed. Have you added the thanksgiving to it? Have you thanked him for what he has answered? Have you thanked him for what he has done? Sometimes we get so fixated on what might go wrong, we pray, and then the anxiety hangs around. Add some thanksgiving in there. Add some praise in there. Add some gratitude in there. You'll be amazed at how that begins to dissipate. With prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God. First Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, verse 17, pray continually. If you want to memorize some scriptures, there you go. Do it right quick. Rejoice always, pray continually. You remember I was two scriptures today. You are super spiritual. Look at y'all. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are amazing. Well, I get the rejoice always. I want to do that. I always want to be joyful. But pray continually? Come on, Paul. Pray continually. We got a, I've got a job. I've got kids. I've got a life. I have all these different things. How am I supposed to pray continually? Pray continually means just to keep an open line of communication with God, to never sit there and have that final goodbye. Do you know when you say amen, that's not like a God's version of goodbye? See you later. Amen means so be it. That's what it means. You're like, I, I want so be it. I'm in agreement with what I just said. I've not changed my mind on this. So be it. It doesn't mean goodbye, I'm done talking to you, God. You can, you can have a conversation, you can pray, you can even say in Jesus' name, amen, but that doesn't mean you all of a sudden you quit and you stopped praying. Praying continually looks a lot more like my wife and her text threads with some of her, some of her besties. It just goes on and it just, it's never actually over. It just keeps going and keeps, and keep going. That's more what it looks like. She doesn't ever put goodbyes in there. Now, you pause a little while, you may get some extra hellos, but there's not, any, there's not any goodbyes. It's just keeping it going and just talking about different things in life. What's going on, what to have for lunch, all these different things, serious things, lighthearted things, all of those. That is what praying continually looks like. It's just continually including God. It's just this ongoing conversation because prayer is simply conversation with God. It's conversation with God. Just talk to him like you would talk to a friend. Just talk to him like you'd talk to a friend, and it really is that easy. I was reminded a couple of years ago of just how true that peace is when um, I've for decades now have 
prayed with my kids as it was time to go to bed, and now there's just the two little girls at home. So pray with them, and we had developed through the years this this little normal prayer, and and they that little little sing songy little rhymy prayer, and that's just ours, and it's it's silly, but it's special to our household, and and the the girls always want that included. It's not really nighttime if we've not done that part, and it and we mean it, and it it has weight. But there's other times that they're like, okay, Dad, I want a real prayer. And I love it that their definition of a real prayer is, is not going through something that we've always gone through, but it's something that we, is, is significant in that moment. There's one evening and praying over Pressy, and it was her turn to pray, and she was praying. And she prayed, and she prayed for that cutie, and I would have a great day the next day, and so thankful. You know, she knows our days go good. Her day's probably going to go better. And so she just been laying some groundwork there. And so um, appreciated her little heart for us and praying. And she was praying for different things. And they'll, you know, pray for the straight animals and the homeless people and pray for all the things that she's conscious of that need to be handled. And, and then all of a sudden she shifts her prayer and she just starts telling God what she likes. She's like, God, I, I really like my teddy and I like pepperoni pizza. And she just starts listing things she likes. And I was sitting there, I was like, well, yeah, well, that's, that's what you do with a friend. You have somebody you're friends with. You'll have deep conversations with them. You'll have deep things. But you'll talk about just the things you like. You'll just share the things you like. And God wants to have this conversation with us that, yes, there are times that prayer is going to battle. The prayer is going to war. And there are times that conversations that you have with people that are deep into your life are intense, pointed conversations. But those same deep relationships should have just normal conversations, just about regular life. If Cutie and I only had the deep conversations where nobody was around and we had to get in, into, into our, our bedroom, the kids are all out and we're having to talk about whatever's really weighty and happening in our lives. Um, and we didn't talk the rest of the day. That'd just be weird. We wouldn't be able to, that would just be odd. It, wouldn't, it couldn't be said that we had an actual life-giving relationship but if all we talked about was the kids' schedules, if all we talked about what was for dinner, if all we talked about was those other things, our relationship would be shallow. And so a deep relationship covers all of the gamut, and your a deep relationship with God covers all of those bases, the things that are heavy on your heart and the things that are just funny, that are things that are just, you just enjoy. And so as we understand this, that God wants to talk to us, there's a place where sometimes we think that there are moments God doesn't want to talk to us. Then all of a sudden, we've been, we're at a low point. We've not done one of our prouder moments. In fact, we've just done something, and we don't even want to be conscious that God is out there because I'm not happy with how I just acted. God wants to engage with us. He wants to talk with us in that. In fact, the first time anybody goes off the rails, we see God start the conversation. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. 
So Adam and Eve have sinned. They've hidden from God, and they were used to talking to God in the cool of the day, walking and visiting with God. Adam named, he discussed the animals with God. But verse 9, it says, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? Not what have you done, not why did you do it, not any of those things. Simply, where are you? I want to be close to you. Where are you? Your proximity matters to me. Where are you? Not a rebuke, not something harsh, not something to do with what they had done wrong, but I'm trying to get close to you. Where are you? And Adam, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. There's so, so many times when God is wanting to draw near to us, we're hiding from him. And being devoted to prayer helps us to push back against that. The very next thing God says in this, when after Adam says, um, so I was naked and so I hid, God says, who told you you were naked? Who told you? What voice have you been listening to? You're supposed to be listening to my voice. What voice did you dial into? What conversation did you have? Where did you get this information? You didn't get it from me. If you'd had a conversation with me, you'd have got some different information. I'd have been able to coach you back. I didn't remember, but you isolated yourself. You, you had a conversation, and you should have, in that tense moment, should have leaned into God instead of leaning into the voice that you did. Who told you you were naked? But so many times, real genuine prayer is so odd to us. We don't even know how to do it. In fact, Jesus' disciples who were raised praying, they're Jews. Prayer's been a part of their entire life. They hear Jesus praying, and they want Jesus to teach them how to pray. So in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. They're hearing him pray. We don't pray like that. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord... Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Say, Father. This is the first time where we are told to engage with the God of the universe as Father. Prior to this, they had always just engaged God as Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim, one of his covenant names. They did not connect with him as father. And Jesus said, you want to learn how to pray right? Understand you're talking to your daddy. You want to learn how to fix? You want to, what makes my prayer different is I'm talking to my father. And that changes everything. Now, I get it. In this space, that's a loaded word for some of you. Some of you saying father and understanding God as father is tricky. Because your earthly father did not reflect your heavenly father very well. And it's made you pull back from that idea and it's made you uncomfortable with what connecting to a father looks like. But I'm here to tell you, if you will dare to lean in and begin to call him father, pray to him like he's the father you wish you had had. The father you know what a good father looks like because you know what a bad father looks like. And a good father doesn't do what a bad father did. 
And you're like, I'm leaning into my good heavenly father. And he will begin to renew and reestablish what, what a real father looks like. He wants to reset that with you if that is a place of pain in your life. But we got to learn to call him father and pray from that angle. Pray from a place of child likeness. The message translation puts it this way. When you pray, say, Father, reveal who you are. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I used to bother my dad all the time wanting to know about his childhood. Tell me stories about with you and your brothers. Tell me stories about grandpa. Tell me stories about going hunting. Tell me stories about this. I'd go with him on call-outs late at night, and I'd just make him tell me all these stories. I just wanted to know more about my dad. Or your heavenly father wants to reveal who he is. He wants to reveal it, reveal who you are. Luke 11, 2, Jesus, in, in the contemporary English translation, says, pray in this way, Father, help us to honor your name. Help us to begin to, to understand and walk in the way the family walks. It's amazing when you begin to shift that you've not been brought into some religious strict thing, but you've been birthed into a family. Man, it changes things. Folks, we need to understand as we're wrapping up this morning that prayer begins our relationship with God and it sustains our relationship with God. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Your relationship with God begins with prayer and it goes forward with prayer. But just like we remember that God wanted to talk to Adam and Eve at their lowest moment. You need to be aware that God wants to talk to you even at your lowest moment. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace, not throne of judgment, not the throne of rebuke, but the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you need mercy, when things are not going right. What is your time of need when things are not going right? Why do we need to approach with confidence? It's because we don't feel confident. But if we're going to approach his throne of grace and find mercy, we have to be willing to do it in our time of need. Not wait a little later, get a little distance. Maybe he feels a little less upset about it now, and then I'll bring up my struggles, then I'll bring up my, my faults and the things that I don't like. No, right then, in the middle of it, in the middle of it. Maybe you catch yourself in the middle of a knockdown, drag out fight with your spouse. Call out to God and say, God, God, help me. I don't want to treat this person this way anymore. Invite his mercy into the middle of it. You find yourself just frustrated and at your wit's end. Invite God into the middle of it. 
That's where you're going to find the grace. That's where you find your help in your time of need. Prayer isn't reserved for some sweet little moment that you have at the beginning of the day or the end of the day. Prayer is there and it is a weapon to be used in the middle of your battle, in the middle of your hard time. And the enemy wants to isolate us from it and cut it off. He wants to isolate us from what will elevate us. And prayer is what will bring us forward. See, our bottom line today is simply talking to God will simplify your life. If you'll just simply talk to him, just talk to him. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this week. There's there's an app um, going around um, called Be Real. I don't do it, but a bunch of y'all do. And, uh, And so, and instead of curating, you know, getting everything set up and getting everything right, get your hair done, and wants to see what your life really looks like. Sends you a little alert and says, all right, take a pic, and it posts to your whatever, your feed. And then people can see not what you plan to show them, but whatever your life will actually look like in that moment. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to get with two or three other people. Use your text feature to make your own little Be Real app. And say, I want to text and just text, pray now. And whatever is on your mind at that moment, pray. Not something, whatever's on your mind right there. If it's your grocery list, pray about your grocery list. Whatever is on your mind, you begin to do that for a couple of weeks, and I confess it'll begin to train you to pray about every little thing. Not pray when you think, oh, what am I going to pray about? Oh, let me pray about these people. No, pray whatever's on your mind at that moment. Get together and make your own little Be Real app with some friends. Text one another randomly. Pray now. And then just do it. Pray whatever you're thinking about at that moment. Begin to train ourselves to talk to God about every little thing. But this begins, like we talked about, our relationship with God begins begins with prayer. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.